0: Welcome to another episode of Rich in Relationship. And today we're going to talk about how do I save my marriage? Dun, 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 dun. And what I need you to know about this, first of all, is you can't save your marriage. You can't. But what you can save is your relationship, right? So marriage is an institution. Marriage is an agreement. It's a commitment that people have made. The only way, a better way to put it would be, the only way you can keep your commitment is to save the relationship. Commitment in marriage is based on relationship. Oh, well, that's just verbal Kung Fu that you're doing. And that may be true, but it's not completely. What you need to focus on here is not the marriage and what it represents to your family, and what it represents to your friends, what you need to focus on is the relationship. Marriages become at risk when relationships start to crumble. The basis for a crumbling relationship is neglect, fear, a desire to control or manipulate, anger, blame and taking your partner's inventory and ultimately disregarding the well-being of the relationship and your partner it's the opposite of what got you into marriage as a commitment in the first place right so think about it when you first met your partner It was all, you were totally focused on each other. It was like this mad fulfilling experience, right? You just were spending time with each other always. When you're not with each other, you were talking to your friends about one another or your family about one another. You probably were falling asleep on the phone at two in the morning, drooling. You're talking all five love languages all at once, uh, gift giving, Touch, quality time, lots of quality time, words of affirmation, saying really good things, positive things about each other. And I'm missing one, acts of service. You're doing tons of acts of service for one another all the time. Like That's part of being infatuated or in love is where we're fully engaged in one another in a way that you can't help but know that the other person loves you. And then you, all of that comes together and you go, I want this experience forever. Right? Forever is a dangerous word. It's right up there with never. In the same sense that when you say never about something, it's kind of like inviting it to happen. When you say you're going to do something forever, it's like killing it. It puts an end to it. There's no forever and there is no never. These things don't re- exist except in our minds. Uh, the only time that forever and never exist is when we're taking each other's inventory, which we can talk about later. All right, so you go through this amazing courtship, you make the commitment, and then when you make the commitment, you sort of go back to real life. You get reinvested in your individual growth and you stop paying all that attention to each other and you stop speaking all those love languages. And what happens to a lot of people is they stop nurturing the relationship, right? The reason why the the relationship was so solid is the two of you were building this relationship through all that attention you were giving one another. You get married, you take on the commitment, the burden, and it's like, oh my God, we need to make money. We have children. We need to make sure they get to school, all those things. And the relationship stops being central. And then we start to slip into negative patterns. Oh, if only she would do more. If only he heard me. If only she respected me. If only he really loved me. We start slipping into those kinds of doubts. And what happens is we move out of this space where uh, when we were in love, we were building empathy and connection and trust, unbelievable trust. We start slipping into behaviors that are the opposite of that. So the thing is our natural state is to be in intimacy. Our natural state is to want to relax with one another. But these other things, we let these other things start slipping in that get in the way of that. So what do we do then? We start to fall back on negative strategies that maybe worked for us in our childhood or in other environments. We try punishing them. Maybe we get a little sarcastic or maybe we get outright rude and critical. Uh, We try rewarding them. Oh, hey! If you do this, I'll give you that kind of thing. These are all ways of trying to control the other person. Basically, trying to get them to do what we want them to do. We we want to have that intimacy back, so we're going to make them give it to us, right? And let's be honest: when we punish or reward, those are inhibitors to intimacy. Right? When anything that seems controlling is an inhibitor to intimacy. It just won't work. We try to cajole them. We try to push them with blame. We try to beg them. None of that works. There's no vulnerability in these dances, no true vulnerability. And what do they do in response? In response, they're not getting what they want now. They feel like they're being manipulated or maybe they feel like they're being herded in a direction they don't want to go. They're not getting their needs met either, right? All those five love languages that were happening all at once when you were infatuated and in love, they're missing now. So their needs aren't being met either. And they, in turn, try to control through the same techniques or different techniques. And what happens is couples develop this dance where one person's technique for getting what they want triggers the fear and the anger in the other person and the other person's technique for getting what they want triggers the fear and negative response. And so they are, couple start doing this dance, this negative dance, give me what I want or else, give me what I want and I'll reward you. And it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy the relationship de-evolves and de-evolves and de-evolves and de-evolves and de evolves We start taking one another's inventory, negative inventory. He's such a, she's such a. We start seeing each other's weaknesses instead of each other's strengths. We start building cases against one another. And the more this evolves, the more Distance happens in the relationship. And for some couples, what that looks like is they fight intensely. And fighting intensely works for a while because that can end with makeup sex. But that doesn't last. Eventually, the fighting wins out over the makeup sex. And it just becomes really nasty, mean hearted, mean spirited fighting without any makeup sex. Or the mean hearted fighting is so intense that it's not worth the reward afterwards. Other couples who are more conflict avoidant will just avoid spending time with another, with one another. They just have very uh, roommate-ish lives where they're avoiding conflict and then it all explodes because one of them spends money they're not supposed to spend or because they have sex with someone or because there's a repeated breach of trust of some kind. So that's kind of the model for a failed relationship. And so many of us, pretty much everyone experiments with this. They slip into this because nobody gave us an instruction manual, if only there were an instruction manual. All right. So here's the instruction manual. Step one is you got to cut that controlling manipulative stuff out. You got to cut the blame and the inventory taking. You got to get that. You can't change the other person. That's easy to say, difficult to execute. That's part one. Part two, you need to get that there's one person you can change, and that is you. Part three is you need to get that you are causal, that in changing yourself, in changing where you come from, you're causal in shifting the relationship. That doesn't mean you change the other person, it means you shift the relationship. And when the relationship shifts, the other person has the choice as to how they're going to respond to that. Can you save the marriage through doing this? Maybe. Can you save the relationship or alter the relationship or make it more positive? Absolutely. So let's talk some more about that. By the way, the fourth part, after you realize that you're causal is that You change where you're coming from, how you're feeling, the place that you're coming from when you are in relationship with this person. You move from fear, hurt, sadness, covered over by blame and anger, to a place of empathy, appreciation, possibly even trust, maybe not. There may not be trust, they may not have earned it. It might be something you have to work on. Uh, caring, uh, and you create a vision, a new vision for the relationship, for the relationship, not for the other person, for the relationship that you're going to work towards. And then once you have this, you engage in lifting them up, speaking positively, acknowledging their strengths, managing your own stuff, and Let me just throw in a piece there. This is pretty common, save your marriage advice. Here's the piece that's different. In order to make that shift from moving, from being negative to being positive, you're gonna need to release some baggage. And a lot of people skip over this. All right, so let's talk about step one. You've identified that you're in a relationship and that it's not working and that you may be able to save the marriage But most importantly, you're going to save the relationship. This is a particularly vital decision if there are children involved, because the truth is you're always going to be in a relationship. So the first thing you want to focus on is saving the relationship, because whether you're divorced or together, you have this bond of children and you're going to want to put your best foot forward for the sake of the children, right? First, you need to identify your emotional baggage. What is it that has contributed to my seeing this person the way that they are. It might be their actions. It might be that their actions trigger judgments on your part that don't completely fit the situation. What's the emotional baggage that I have? What issues do I have around trust? What, what is driving me to try and control the situation, to try and manipulate the other person? What is driving me to do that? How can I get, What are, what are my own hurts, Fears and sadnesses, and some of those may be from childhood, by the way. It might have nothing to do with this person. And what are the hurts, fears, and sadnesses that are appropriate to this situation? And what are the lessons that I need to learn from these emotions? When we learn the lesson of the emotion, we no longer need to have it. Emotions are here to tell us there's a lesson to be learned. Why is there a lesson to be learned? Because there's a disconnect between between where we want to be and where we are. And as long as there's a disconnect between where we wanna be and where we are, there's a lesson to be learned. And when we learn the lesson, we are where we want to be. Like this is living life 101. In order to learn the lesson, we may need some help releasing the baggage. One of the things we do here at Rich in Relationship is we help people release baggage. We've got some specialized techniques like timeline therapy and trigger management and anger management, whole tools that some people have and some people don't, that will help release the baggage. So we identify the baggage that it is that we need to release. How much of it is from my childhood, how much of it is from my adolescence, how much of it is from now? And how much, how willing am I to let it go? in order to have a relationship that works. Yeah, that's what this is about. I wanna have a relationship that works. If I have a relationship that works, the possibility of keeping my marital commitment opens up. If I don't have a relationship that works, no matter how hard I work on that marriage, nothing's gonna happen. I release the baggage and I shift from hurt, sadness, fear, blame, and anger, And I start to shift to a place of care, concern, empathy, compassion for the other person. Next, I'm going to assess where are the ways that I can connect with this person? What's going on for them? What are their pain points? How willing am I to not be triggered when they slip into their modus operandi, their way of wanting to control and fix and change me how willing am i to once i understand what's driving that to overlook it and very often just like us they have some childhood pain or fear or concern that's driving it they've got some emotional baggage and when we understand what that emotional baggage is it changes everything let me give you an example i have a client who was a pathological liar, and the reason for his pathology was that as a child he was called to the stand as a witness against his mom and forced to choose his dad as his fo- as his uh, custodial parent. Years later, when he started getting into relationships with women, he was constantly looking for the forgiveness of of his mother. And he would do this by cheating on the woman he was with. Then he would beg her to take him back. And then he'd cheat on her again and beg her to take him back. So he had this pathology. And part of the pathology was that he had to lie to cover up that he was cheating. Inevitably, he'd be discovered. And in order to be a good liar, he needed to really believe lies that he was telling other people and so he became pathological liar lied about everything always makes a lot of truth and he was very good at it <clears throat> once his partner understood this about him they were able to forgive him and meet him with compassion now that doesn't mean that the relationship was all peachy keen and wonderful what it means was there was forgiveness in the space What it means is the game of both partners trying to control and change each other was gone. What it means is that there was some understanding of what was going on and that the children, they had children together, were able to see that one partner had understanding and the other partner was locked in their own prison. And because that partner made that choice to understand that and to treat treat my client with compassion the children had a choice. Uh, They had a way they could go. They had the ability to have a relationship with the pathological liar and a healthier relationship with their other parent. So that's an example of how this can play out. All right, so here we are. We're at a point where we're going to have compassion for the other person. We're going to understand why they do what they do. They may not change. They may not get better. Just like my client actually didn't didn't get much better. Like This was a pattern he really needed therapeutic help with. Not something a coach could help him with. I want to be really clear. There's some things that coaches can't wave their magic wand over and fix. Even though he wasn't able to change, the dynamic of the relationship changed. And the children were happier for it. So once we understand what's happening over there, the dynamic of the relationship changes. Now, not everyone is as messed up as that example I gave you. Most people, when they see the dynamic of the relationship change, will start to change in response to that. So the recipe for saving your marriage, your relationship really is what we're talking about, is identify your own baggage, let it go, release it, see that you're causal in the relationship, move to a place of responsibility and empathy. So that's about, causal is about, all right, I get it. I can, I have an impact on the relationship. I can't change the other person, but I have an impact on the relationship. Move to a place of empathy. That's, I understand the other person. I understand why they are the way they are. I can meet them with compassion now. And once that you meet them with compassion, once you drop your part, clean up your side of the street, stop having this experience of I'm going to change them, I'm going to fix them, I'm going to control them, I'm going to help them, I'm going to cajole them, I'm going to beat them into submission, I'm going to bribe them into changing. Once you drop all that stuff and have compassion for who they are, that's when you can start to have strategies that are going to work for you and your children. And what happens with that marriage from there is Up to you like it may be that the person on the other side is just not a good fit for you like in the case of my client the pathological liar just not a good fit for his partner just not what what she wanted she just didn't want someone like that in her life and if you make that decision you've laid the foundation for raising children together and you understand why you need to dissolve that marriage contract with that person but if the person on the other side is not deeply damaged, they're going to respond and change also. And as long as you acknowledge their strengths and speak into their possibility, speak into their potential, the way that you did when you were falling in love, as long as you continue to see them for that person that they can become, as opposed to constantly taking their inventory and kicking their legs out from under them, as long as you disregard it when they... Take your inventory and try and kick your legs out from under you as long as you turn the other cheek and continue to speak positively into them and look for the small wins and celebrate the small wins. As long as you look for those love languages and speak those love languages and build them up, piece by piece affirmatively over time, that relationship is gonna blossom and grow and they will shift and change. When they start to see that no matter what they throw at you, you are their ally, they will shift and change. When they start to experience that you have compassion, true connected compassion for them, they will start to change. When they start to hear and experience that you have confidence in them, in their future, in their skills and innate abilities, in their uh, parenting, in their ability to relate, they will shift and change. And most likely they will shift and change in the positive. And that's how you save your relationship and probably your marriage. You know, as always, reach out to me with any questions that you have. Reach out with any comments. Direct message me, rich at com.